My private list of places you have to eat before you die includes a former gas station in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's Crook's Corner Cafe and Bar, and it's made brilliant by Chef Bill Smith. This guy is an icon to all who revere great Southern cooking. And this is why Bill is our latest key three chef. That is one of our picks of the best cooks in the country. We ask each to tell us about the three key recipes they feel every cook should know. It's a one-on-one masterclass, And it doesn't get more unintimidating than working with Bill. He's so laid back you might not realize what he's achieved until you notice the awards lining a small wall near the bar. Crook's Corner is pure retro. It's small, it's got white walls, and 1950s chrome and formica tables. It's a place to have fun. While back in the small kitchen, Bill's worked with the same crew of Latino cooks for years, their family. And that's where he was when I knocked on the screen door to the kitchen. Sweet demon, North Carolina, gave your daughter to me. She left me on that corner staring, knocked the wind out of me. Delighted to see you again. Welcome to the kitchen. You ever been back this way? No, I've never been in the back door. Sweet demon, North Carolina, gave your daughter to me. Bill, key three recipes. What are your key three recipes for for, for people who cook? Okay, well, being from eastern North Carolina, I'm going to say fried oysters, banana pudding, and collards. Wow. <laughs> Why fried oysters, banana pudding, and collards? They're things I grew up on, and that's just what I think of when I think back. And it's sort of the foundation of what I do still. Uh-huh. So, okay, so where do you want to begin? All right, we're going to fry some oysters. This is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, this is a good thing. Okay. And, we're, and uh, we're going to do, I'm going to fly into the face of some people's opinion. I'm going to produce a batter with lots of crust. <laughs> Why? Is there, is there a, tell me about this. Oh, people say, oh, this is all bread. This is all, you know, you can't taste anything for the crust. And yeah, right. <laughs> so there's I do my fried chicken that way, too. I mean, there's, there's, there are crust people and oh, non-crust people. People that see crust as sort of like some sort of minefield to get around on the way to the food. And others that, see, I love that. But, <laughs> so, but will I still be able to taste the oyster? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've got, all right, so we've got, we're okay, in the we've kitchen. Got, we're, we're in the, the kitchen. kitchen. We have self-rising flour. Okay, white lily. White lily, self-rising flour. I always think of white lily means the south. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it used to be made in Knoxville. I think it's been bought up by somebody now. But, um, and then we've got my seca. There's a hat tip to my friends from south of the border who also work for me. Um, and I discovered, this is interesting actually, I discovered this recipe by accident in a way. We always had, um, when growing up, we always had cornmeal. Yeah. In our, so uh, one time I was in New Orleans, and you know in New Orleans and Louisiana they have all these brands that everybody loves, but you can only get them there. Yeah. So I went through the French market on my way to the airport, really, and I grabbed all this stuff, and I got a seafood breader. And about a month or two later, we said, let's use that. So we fried this stuff, and we said, God, this is so good. What is this? But by then, the wrapper was in the dumpster. So I had to go out in the dumpster and fish through the trash, pull it out, and it said corn flour instead of cornmeal, right? So I used corn flour for years, and then one year I ran out when I needed it, and I ran to the corner store. There's a Mexican store in the corner. And they had maseca, so it's the same thing. And so now we use maseca because that's the best of all, all right. the... So this is really... Yeah. I'm feeling it. This is ground corn. Yeah, this is for uh, tortillas and tamales and stuff. We're going to use it tonight. So it tamales. also has been treated with lye. Yes, and it even so smells it, like it, yeah. It smells like it. <laughs> yeah. So you're mixing... Yeah, so Because you're, 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 most of your staff here well, is from Mexico, right? Yes. So... Sí or no way. 
Okay, so what basically what you do is just half and half. So you've got a big, you've got a nice square yeah, uh, I mean, stainless steel. This is your anything, mixing bowl, yeah. and it's half self-rising flour <laughs> and half, half of the cornflour. Uh, yeah, well, you can get anywhere yeah, now. Yeah, right. When I mean, you mix it together, and like I said, I'm, I haven't measured anything in years, so I just sort of eyeball right. it. Right. Okay. And then this is a salt and pepper blend, and I like oysters to be salty myself. So. Well, they um, are salty. They come they from the sea, anyway, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, generous sprinkling of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you you're mixing it with your hands. Mixing it with my hands. Right, and I probably yeah. stick my finger. I'm, every time I give a class, I always end up sticking my finger in it and tasting it. And I've warned everybody in the beginning. I said, okay, I'm <laughs> here we go. It's going to be fried in <laughs> very hot oil. It's going to be fried in very yes. hot oil. Now, you just threw a bit of that flour mixture into the oil. What are I you did. looking for? Just to, just to make sure that it's hot enough. You can sort of look at it. It'll, it'll, it just fries real quick. So when it comes up and fries yeah, real quick and then browns. Yeah, if, if it's uh, too cold, then they'll be all sogged out. You don't want that. Okay, so so yeah. when I'm heating my oil at home, I can drop a little bit of that flour yeah. and it's going to go golden? Well, it'll just, you, it'll either, if it doesn't, it'll bubble, basically, what you're seeing. Okay. Yeah, it, and it will come to the top. What temperature are you looking for? Uh, they say between 360 and 370. Okay. This, these, all this stuff is so old, who knows what it really is, but it's, it's set on that. <laughs> you just sort of watch, you know, no, this one looks like it, let's turn it up sort of thing. I see. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but that's usually a normal frying temperature. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, okay. I think that's, that's the science. So these are fresh shucked oysters. These are fresh shucked oysters from Grantsboro, North Carolina, which is down there where I'm from. And actually, there I have that's many. That's Southern North Carolina, right? <laughs> yeah. It all gets very confusing, but... Well, you know, the East is very different from the West in North Carolina, I think. They're both nice, you know, but, but I'm, from, I'm an Easterner. We, my great-grandmother grew up at, uh, at Cape Hatteras, so I'm way East. <laughs> well, I understand in barbecue it makes a huge oh, difference. Fights. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Don't exactly. go there. <laughs> so now you're dropping. Yeah. There's about a dozen oysters you've just we'll dropped, dropped into the flour mixture. Uh-huh. There's no liquid, no egg. No, if I'm with larger seafood, like when we do soft shell crabs, I put them in um, buttermilk. But, but this, you just put the no, oysters no, into no, the no, flour this is, mixture. This is we, That's this, it. This is pretty much it. And you, you want them to be well-coated. Okay, so now, trash can now you're actually, well, you're not <laughs> dropping these directly into the no, fat. No, no, no. You, and you have to be very careful because you don't want to crowd them. So and when you, we're busy, we're a lot less careful than I'm being right this second. But you're but, taking the fryer basket, the big rectangular yeah. basket. So usually I hang it over the trash can, but it seems to have vanished right this minute. So, so, <laughs> so I'm so making what, a mess on the table, but that's so, all right. So what you're doing now is you're just lining up the oysters. They're barely touching. Yeah, you don't want them to, to be crowded because you'll make a, it's like a, a dough rather than a, cr a yeah. crust. Yeah, and you'll have one large oyster right. fritter. Yeah. And those are going into that basket. Into and now... ready? Oh, that sizzle. There you go. And they cook very quickly. And there's, there's a couple of, I like them a little underdone, but most people seem to prefer them a little brown. So I, I, I'd go with the public on this. I, and, uh, I have to say, I like my oysters, juice, my fried oysters, very juicy yeah. inside, but crispy on the outside. Well, these are a good size for that. So we should be able to manage that. And it's yeah. just, you just eyeball it. And the, in a second, yeah. they'll be all pretty and brown. And um, this is fry country, isn't this it? This is fry country. <laughs> I make, I make, we do fried chicken all summer, but I serve it cold. I, cook, I fry it in the morning and then let it sit all afternoon. And it doesn't get soggy. No. See, I've always thought that one of the best things that can happen to you is to find cold fried chicken in your refrigerator the next day. And then one day when I thought, wait a minute, you're the boss. You can just do that if you want to. So, <laughs> so we have cold fried chicken and potato salad and a big slice of watermelon and cucumbers and onions and then whatever else, maybe sliced wow. tomatoes, and it's called a picnic, oh, does that sound good? picnic plate. We do it all summer long. That sounds as soon as, the, as soon as the watermelons are up. 
these oysters are, they've risen to the surface yeah, of the oil and, and they, they, they're all prickly. They're they, yeah. look, they look like, they look like porcupines. Yeah. And they're just sizzling away. Yeah, yeah. And turning golden. You know, it's really, I mean, this is really exciting I'm, to I'm, see. I'm thinking, oh my. I think you think oh, that looks good. big Yeah, they're critters. nice guys. All right, and I'm going to let them sit there one second and then okay. I'm going to. they've been pulled out of the oil yeah, and now they're just sitting over the oil draining. For just a second and I'm going to okay. grab this bowl. Look at the mess I made. <laughs> this bowl that's lined in a, just a, a rag. Uh, a clean rag, of course. But. A clean rag, yes. <laughs> and let them drain a second longer. So that's to pick up any extra fat. Yeah. And then we're going to hit them with some sea salt. So coarse sea salt. Yeah. So you get that crunch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now, I think I've got a lemon or two over there. We serve these with all kinds of things. Um, Here you go. Some people like cocktail sauce. Some people, we make a sort of a garlic mayonnaise out of roasted garlic. It's like a roasted garlic aioli. Uh, lemons. Uh, and lately, and actually I'm doing this tonight with our tamales, um, sriracha sauce stirred into mayonnaise. Which oh, is wow. Really <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, you've got beautiful oysters. You yeah. don't want to mess around. I'm just going to do lemons with these. Yeah. That took, I mean, from start to Zero. finish, what is this? Zero. Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> 10 minutes max? Even, yeah. And we're talking. And we're still talking all the time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, is that fabulous. Yeah, that nice? right. So you've got wedges of lemon, yeah. a bowl of the fried oysters yeah. tucked with wedges of lemon, the coarse salt, that's it. That's and they're it. beautiful. They're like golden some, brown and crumbly looking. People love these. I only serve them in, the, in cool months. Um, I grew up, that's another thing we growing up, we didn't eat oysters in the summer. We didn't eat them in hot weather. Now, I've had oysters in Louisiana where it's warm all the time. I think they're fine. It's the prejudice I have that I can't seem to get over. Plus, it, I, I rotate things in and out. People have things to look forward to and stuff. Bill, let's get out of the hair of everybody here in the kitchen so they can get back to work, eat oysters, let's and eat talk oysters. about your other key three. That's good. The other, the other two of your key three. Collards and banana pudding. Yeah. And like I said, they're things I grew up with. And you ask for something elemental. And collards, I, think, I thought of first, honestly, because that's something that Southerners or people that grew up with them really love them. And a lot of people can't ever get to like them. So <laughs> we go through gallons of collards. I, I probably cook collards every other day here. And when I was growing up, my great-grandmother, who was the big cook in our family, always said you weren't supposed to use them until after the frost. And she would put hers in the freezer if she got them before frost, for, you know, for a while. Really? Yeah. But I have found here, because I have to have them all the time, that's not, not necessarily true. They may be better having hit, been hit by the frost, but we cook them all summer, all winter, and whatever. Mm -hmm. so. um, we tear them up by hand, uh, wash them in warm water, which is interesting. Uh, Why warm water? I don't know. That's just because <laughs> I was told to do. Because that's how you do that's it. What, that's, that's how you what do she it. said to do, and that's what I do. Um, which is you wouldn't think of doing vegetables that way ordinarily. So anyway, we wash them in warm water. And then depending on what you have, um, often I have country ham, but I don't always. And sometimes I have the bone, I don't always. But I always have bacon. So we do, uh, we um, dice up onions and fr begin frying it in, the, um, in some bacon grease with some of the bacon. Right. Um, you don't brown them, you just um, sort of soft, you know, soft, not brown, that whole thing. Then the collards go on top. And then we throw in whatever ham thing I happen to have. It might be the bone. It might be the end pieces we couldn't use. They wouldn't slice pretty. It might just be the rind. Uh -huh. Could be anything. Uh, but you want some of that smoky, yeah, yeah, salty flavor yeah, of some sort. Yeah, and it's a very powerful seasoning. Country ham is. Um, I love it, and I'm always like picking the little fragments out of the pot. <laughs> 
If you couldn't get ham, could you use a little bit of a, ham, oh, yeah, a, a smoke talk? Yeah, or something or like that. Yeah, or you right. know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can use anything you want. Uh, that's just what we have myself, and, and it's sort of traditional. Um, you put uh, maybe a palm full of crushed red pepper flakes. Ooh. And, but it doesn't make them real hot, but it's interesting. You know, people's tastes have changed. When I first came to work here, which has been a long time ago now, um, people would complain if things were too spicy. Now people complain if they're not. <laughs> so America's taste has changed considerably. I've been here 17 isn't years. It? Uh. People always say, these collars are too hot. But now they say, they don't. They ask for, like, Tabasco or something. <laughs> interesting. So and then they boil. Now, there's many uh, sort of schools on this. I think they need to boil. We probably cook them two and a half, three hours. And that's at a hard boil. So you're really making yeah. them, turning them into almost yeah. a cream. Well, no, mean, no, they stay. They, they, they stay. hold their, they, they, hold they hang their. on, yeah, they do. <laughs> so how much liquid did you put in that pot? You cover if, them. You cover them with, yeah, with cover water? cover them with water, with a little room for them to float, but but not so much. I mean, we cram them in that, I have, in my biggest pot, we and just And they wilt? It. They wilt down to nothing, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've, ste you've removed the stems? If you need to. There's sometimes when they're big, you need to. If they're small, you don't need to. Okay. And we just sort of rip them up by hand. All right. And you, the stems sort of come out, you know, if they're big, if they're tough and woody. They... You really cook by the instincts of what you were raised with. Sort of, yeah. And I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't start out to be a chef, and it's interesting, but I, I guess I paid attention to all the people I, that were around me. I, I, I grew up in a time where everyone uh, would go to grandmother's house for lunch every day, and I, we'd leave school, we'd leave work, and everybody would go there, and she would cook lunch for everybody. If you put your name in the pot in time, then you were expected to show up at noon. And, um, you know, and we had big, nice di lunches. That was called dinner in those days. But, um, and that's what we did. So I, uh, it was always been a part of my life long before I realized I would be doing it for a living. So, so how do you serve the collards? Uh, well, by themselves, essentially. Um, they're a side dish. We, you can order them as a side, or you can, uh, they come with a, the sort of a southern sampler we do with barbecue and cornbread. And, and, and they get a little a dish of those with that. We put a little parm, shredded parm on top of ours. Which is unusual, I think. So elegant. Isn't it? So <laughs> elegant. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay, but key question with the collards. Serve them with the liquor or without the liquor? With. And sometimes I just take the juice and pour it over rice. My great-grandmother believed that it was like medicine. And often if you were sick and there were collards in that, she'd get a cup of that at bedtime or something. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah, and she always Take said it from the reason, a cup, right? Yeah. She always said the reason that the... Poor Southerners survived the Depression was because you can grow collards anywhere. They'll grow at the front steps, they'll grow in the shade, they'll grow, you know, in, in whatever the weather and whatever. And she said everybody could throw collard seeds out in the yard, and that's how we lived, got through the Depression, she said. So now your third key recipe is banana pudding. And I must say I was a little puzzled. I know it's very popular, but why banana pudding? Well, it's something I grew up with, but it's also something that our public demands be on our menu. Like, I used to just do it occasionally. And people would come in and say, where's the banana pudding? You know, what's going on? And so finally, I just sort of gave in, and now it's on every single day. Um, it doesn't make any sense as a recipe, really. You think about it. It's cookies and bananas and custard. I, 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 a lot of times you think, who in the world thought of this? You know, but anyway, <laughs> you always use vanilla wafers. You know, Nabisco vanilla, vanilla wafers, not to do a commercial, but that's what you got to use. <laughs> so you would never use homemade wafers? Oh, no. Everybody says, why don't you make your own? The only time, I, there's one dispensation, there was... Um, there was a woman uh, from New Orleans that um, she had that wonderful bakery in the Marigny called um, La Spiga, Dana Logston, I think her name was. Uh -huh. And um, she brought us to the Southern Foodways Alliance. I'm in, I'm in that. And we had a meeting in, in Oxford, and she came and made banana pudding for us, and she made her own ginger snaps for it. And that was fantastic. So I, she gets dispensation, but otherwise I wouldn't dream of doing that. Yeah, people would not probably. Well, it was really it. good. I mean, I have, yeah. I have to hand it to her. So that was a smart thing. Anyway. Um, these cookies, uh, there's, you, there's also two schools about, do you want it 
fresh or do you want it to have sat? Because it sogs out a little bit when, <laughs> when it's a day old. And there's even a, um, a song by Southern Culture on the Skids called Day Old Banana Pudding. Because there's two camps in which is better. I happen to like both. <laughs> but I can think of, yeah, but I can see how the pudding seeps into the yeah, cookies. Yeah. It's like a trifle after it's old. Yeah. But it's also yeah. something nice about finding the crispy cookies in that in that custard, which is essentially pastry cream. So you make the pastry cream? Uh, yeah, I make that. Um, I use one that has cornstarch because I don't like the taste of the flour, which seems to, um, I, I can always taste it. I don't know why. But, right. And it's just a vanilla pastry cream, basically. Eggs. Uh, we use half and half in the one here, sugar, and uh, uh, a pinch of salt and the, and the cornstarch and bananas, sliced bananas and vanilla wafers. And then on top, <clears throat> you make meringue. And um, then you put it in the, you sort of smear it on in a dramatic way with all those little swirls and stuff on top of the pudding after you've assembled it, which is essentially layering all those things together. And you put it in the oven and brown the top. So, so really what you're talking about here is that you're learning to make a custard, yes. right? Which you can make and use. In For lots of ways. Lots anyways, of ways. Yeah. It's a nice and, yeah. and if you choose to make your own cookies, there's, there's <laughs> You may certainly have learned that, but, yes. And also, but you're learning to make a meringue. Yeah. And, and the idea of running it into the oven, which gives, I mean, you could put anything under a meringue, mm -hmm. run it into the oven, and people are going to think they're feasting on yeah. the, the food of the gods. But a really great banana pudding is the yeah. food of the gods. It's, so, it's just one of those. So we could call this a southern essential. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think just, so, certainly. Yeah. Bill, thank you. Not at all. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you in the kitchen.